the college football coaching carousel has gone crazy. And so is the transfer portal. How's the top 10 in the NFL draft looking so far? And what, what, how's the college football playoff looking? Who are the top five defensive backs in the 2024 NFL draft? All that and more coming up next on the Draft Countdown Podcast. Tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. I'm your co-host Brian Bosorch, joined as always by my co-host Shane P. Hallam. Shane, we are 147 days, 22 hours, 58 minutes, 17 seconds away from the 2024 NFL Draft. And we have definitely turned to draft time in college football with the regular season over. Players declaring, players going to the Senior Bowl. It's, 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 it's it feels full draft mode at this point, Brian. Yeah, it is draft season, as they say, especially if your team, your NFL team, is their playoff dreams are uh, not happening right now. You've turned your attention to the draft as well. But uh, as always, if you're following along in the live chat and you want to, you have a question you want to answer, go ahead and ask it there. If you're a member of our Discord, go there, ask a question in the podcast section. We'll answer it later in this episode. If you're not a member of our Discord, well, you need to be. Go to draftcountdown.com, top right corner of the search bar. And there's a link to join the Discord there. And if you're following along on Twitter, send us a question at Draft Countdown, and we will answer it later in the show. Shane, we got a packed episode tonight, so we're going to get through it uh, quickly here. Uh, the top ten in the NFL draft, not a big whole lot of changes this week, right? It looks it looks almost fairly the same as it was last week. Uh, Chicago still has the number one pick. Uh the Carolina Panthers lost again, and not only did they lose their game last week, their fourth in a row, they've lost their head coach, uh, Frank Reich, fired. They also fired assistant head coach and running backs coach, Deuce Staley, and fired quarterback coach, Josh McCown. Uh, you had a lot to say about this on Twitter the other day. I would like you to, or on in our Discord, I should say, so please elaborate on your thoughts on the Panthers situation. Well, yeah. It's bullshit that they they fired Frank Reich. Like it's it's complete crap. And I don't think Frank Reich's. I don't know if he's a great coach. I don't think he is. Probably gotten fired in a couple years. But Dave Tepper, he's a Pittsburgh guy. The the new owner of the Panthers now has fired. Uh, between this and the soccer team he owns, I think he's fired like 
four coaches in 18 months, something like that. Like, there's no patience whatsoever. You, you took Bryce Young, number one. You traded up. You traded a bunch of assets, including your top receiver. You weren't going to be good. Like, there, there's no world where the Carolina Panthers were going to be a good team this year. Uh, wh why you uh, – this is the second shortest tenure of a head coach ever uh, in the regular season. And uh, so this is shorter than Urban Meyer. You know, like, that, that's – how how do you fire fire Frank right this quickly? Eliminate the staff and who who wants this job? Um, you know there are a lot of rumors, and I've asked people that Tepper himself, you know, wanted Bryce Young, and that Frank Reich wanted C.J. Stroud, and look how that looks today, right? If that's the case, and you you fired him because the quarterback that you drafted number one's not producing, I, I think it's ridiculous. I think. The Carolina Panthers, I think, were at least a solid organization for a long time. And now uh, he's competing to be one of the worst owners already. And they're going to be one of the worst organizations for the next 20, 30 years. That's not ideal. And he basically threw his quarterback that he allegedly handpicked, basically threw him under the bus at the press conference announcing the firing. It's just, it's wild to me. And for a man who made his money, being patient, right? I mean, that's what of one of those scumbag. Uh, what do they call them? What 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 is his uh, hedge fund guys? I, yeah. They're just scumbags. Let's just be honest. Uh, you know, their whole deal is being patient and shorting and waiting out stuff, and he has not shown a lick of that patience as the owner of the Carolina Panthers. So that's that. Um, Brad, if you make a video about that, uh, put one of them little uh, beep horns on Shane there. It'll be hilarious. <laughs> uh, the number two pick belongs to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, have they won a game since Kyler Murray has been back? Uh, I don't think so. He's only played two games, right? Well, so. he's going to get Marvin Harrison to throw to next year. He'll be fine. Uh, New England picking third at two and nine. And then there's a two-game gap between them and the Chicago Bears, uh, who actually won a game this week. They beat the Vikings on Monday Night Football. Uh, they're currently picking first and fourth because they have Carolina's pick. Uh, Washington picking fifth. Uh, the Giants picking sixth have won two games in a row with Tommy DeVito as the quarterback who has thrown one less touchdown than Bryce Young has this season uh tampa bay picking seventh uh the jets picking eighth and they opened up the practice window on aaron Rodgers today after tearing his achilles uh who knew holistic medicine could cure, cure a ruptured achilles what look, look cam Akers came back in five months aaron Rodgers can come back in four months let's do it i hope so uh the chargers are picking ninth um the clock's got to be ticking on Brandon Staley, right? He's 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 gone. He he's toast. That's going to be a very highly sought after job, right? Well, yeah, there's been some Bill Belichick rumors to the Chargers, if you know that. Hey, get get off the Patriots sinking ship, and here's Justin Herbert. Here's a pretty good team. Uh, rounding out the top ten is the Tennessee Titans and uh, Bengals tank watch. Uh, they're up to fifteenth. Yeah. You gave you gave the mighty new Steelers offense. You gave them sixteen points there in that game. So unbelievable. Uh, 
Well, uh, just to correct, Kyler Murray did win a game. They beat the Falcons, who are in the playoffs at five and six right now. So, ah, uh, yes, the Falcons, <laughs> division winners at five and six. What a joke! Uh, all right, that's going to do it for the top ten of the uh, NFL draft. Shane, I got to tell you, this next segment, it's wild to me. There's some crazy stuff has happened in this past week. I'm just going to go through them. If you feel like you need to elaborate, by all means. But you, uh, we put out a few uh, shorts on the on the YouTube channel. Go back and look at those. Uh, so we'll just skip over those really quick because you've already made your case on Michigan State hired Jonathan Smith. You're a big fan of this, right? Yeah, I, I, I love that. Took a, took a second-tier program in the Pac-12. High, can you do it in the Big Ten? I feel like you could. Uh, I think you like the hire, but not necessarily the practice of Mississippi State hiring uh, Oklahoma offense coordinator Jeff Levy, right? Yeah, you know, I I, th- I think it's kind of a risky hire, but um, I, I you know I felt like they they made a premature decision to fire a changing offense. So I think Le- Levy's pretty young; he's pretty fresh. Like it, it feels like a little too big of a jump, but but I do like the potential that it has. You went from air raid to not back to air raid. Like now, I, I, I will say this though: Will Rogers entered the portal. I, I think is this maybe he comes back out <laughs> with well, this? Yeah, I mean maybe for him, you see what who bites, and if not, yeah, you I think you can pull back out. Uh, Texas A&M, they, they didn't go flashy. They hired Duke head coach Mike Elko, former defensive coordinator, Texas A&M. I, I, I mean, I really love that hire because Duke should not win more than two games a year, right? And he took them to at least be decent contenders in the ACC, is by all accounts a much better person than Jimbo Fisher ever was. So I hope I hope it will work out for him at Texas A&M. Um, Oregon State promotes defensive coordinator Trent Bray uh, to replace Jonathan Smith. I, I mean, I get trying to keep it consistent, right? I mean, you liked what you had, and you had a great defense. I don't, I don't hate it, but I like. I don't know what's going to happen with Oregon State. So, like, who who knows? One I do like is San Diego State hiring. Uh, Colorado offensive coordinator, or demoted Colorado offensive coordinator, I should say, and former Kent State head coach Sean Lewis to be their head man. Yeah, I, I love that hire. Like, bring Sean Lewis in. And San Diego State's offense is gonna it's gonna be a boon next year. Like, I'm, I'm I wrote it down for college fantasy football next year. San Diego State. I'm uh, I'm also willing to bet that he brings in Dino Babers in some capacity. If Babers doesn't get a bigger job. Offer if he just wants to ride out the the buyout there, then because uh, I want to say that Lewis is one of his guys, right? And uh, you know, it could be like an associate head coach type deal. One of those guys uh, I wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, a hire I found interesting because you don't generally see position coaches get hired at a power five level to be the head coach, and that's what happened with Syracuse hiring Georgia defensive back coach Fran Brown to be their head coach. But what he is is a big recruiter. Like, like he's like ranked as the top recruiter 
of any assistant coach in the country. And now he's the head coach of Syracuse. Well, I, I think that's how, if you're Syracuse, you win, right? I mean, that that's kind of been their MO. Um, I, you know, I, I to, to bring in athletes, let them play whatever position they want. Um, so now you have a big recruiter. I, you know, I don't hate it. I just wonder, are you going to have enough on game day scheme-wise to make this all work together? Right. Um, before we get to the axe drops, uh, a couple of guys keeping their gigs. We speculated for a couple of weeks now, Chip Kelly and UCLA, he's coming back next year. I think it's good. You give him one more year, you know, unless there's some cultural – that was an issue. Give him one more year, see what happens. Uh, Baylor is keeping Dave Aranda another year as their head coach. Uh, he has made significant staff changes, uh, but Dave Aranda gets one more, at least one more go there in, in Waco. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think it's fair as well, but uh, he better turn it around pretty quick. Yeah, uh, had worked out there. Now, let's quickly get through the uh, – the axes that fail, and the biggest one to me, I think, was Houston parting ways with Dana Holgerson. Uh, just hadn't worked out there, right? Yeah, they they really and, and Dana Holgerson's bro had the talent. He's had the you know the personnel and the scheme, and just hasn't been able to win games. So it makes sense to me. I I I, I just don't know. I know that the candidates are pretty good candidates. Pretty interesting, right? <laughs> yeah, but like, will they take it? Is my question. Is Houston uh, is Houston a good enough job? I guess it probably is. So I'll be interested to see. Yeah, those candidates include Gary Patterson, the former head coach at TCU, Cliff Kingsbury, and um, Jeff Trailer at UTSA is the other names uh, rumored there. So, yeah, lot, lots of uh, attention being attracted there. Houston, it's a good job, right? It's a Big 12 job now. I think, you know, a lot of we, – we forget that. And they got money. They, they got money. money. Yeah, that, is, that is probably <laughs> the key. They got money. Um, the other one that was, a, I guess, of note was Indiana firing Tom Allen. He's a former one of your guys, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, eh, it's fair. It was kind of coming, but uh, just Indiana hadn't been able to get back to what they, you know, what they were doing when when Michael Penix was there. So it's fair. Yeah. A um, couple of uh, group of five firings: uh, New Mexico firing Danny Gonzalez, uh, UTEP firing Dana Demmel, and Middle Tennessee firing Rick Stockstill. That one was a little surprising to me because he's been the head coach there since two thousand six. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's a big – he's produced some NFL talent too, but I, I guess there comes a point for everyone where it's like, well, we right. want to try for something better. And uh, not coaching carousel related, but uh, there was some realignment news this week as Delaware will be making the jump up from FCS to FBS. They'll be joining Conference USA in 2025. Kennesaw State is coming up next year uh, to Conference USA. Uh, CUSA will have 11 teams now. Uh the expectation is they will eventually get to 14 with uh, potentially UMass and UConn uh, joining in the Northeast and Tarleton, uh, an FCS program in Texas, uh, being the potential 14th member. Look, I'm all I'm all about it. Like, let's let's get the 200 teams. Like, what? Sure. You know, why why are we splitting this up? Like, let's 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 just let's just do it up. Why not? 
I love it. All right. Uh, we're not going to get into all the transfer portal craziness that I talked that I alluded to, and because that is a lot, is a, a lot. lot. Um, that with that, that's a whole show. But um, we are going to break down what who are the best players we saw in week thirteen were. And Shane, I took a peek at who you had, and yeah, I I can't argue with uh, who your best offensive player was this week. Yeah, I mean, I keep I feel bad because every time I watch LSU, I feel like it's an LSU player. So couldn't make it Jaden Daniels again. But Malik Neighbors, the wide receiver for LSU, absolutely just dominated uh, Texas A&M. Six catches, 122 yards, two touchdowns in the game. I think he is closer to Marvin Harrison than wide receiver three in this class. Like, I think we're talking about a top 10 pick. Neighbors is a big time recruit. You see the athleticism. Solid, you know, decent size. Um, and man, he, he's athletic. The body control is there. So, uh, definitely turned me into a, a big Malik Neighbors fan way up to wide receiver two. And, um, you know, I just released my big board today. I had him uh, eighth overall. I have a feeling that by the end of the process, he's going to end up as my wide receiver two as well. He's three right now. I'm still have a Dunze ahead of him, but I think when the testing hits, uh, that's going to be the the final shift uh, for for me. Uh, on my Bolitnikov ballot this week, I did vote a Dunze one, though. I'll say that. <laughs> I mean, I like him. I can't help it. Um, best offensive player I watched this week, and, man, I struggled uh, on this a lot, um, but I – so I'm going to go with a guy that we've never talked about on this show and may never talk about again after this. But I went with Temple wide receiver Ahmad Anderson Jr. A little small wide receiver. Uh, I mean, I don't know if he's going to be in this class or not. And my guess is he ends up in the transfer portal with his quarterback before it's all said and done. But against Memphis, he caught eight ball or seven balls for 169 yards, two scores. He's going to be a slot guy. Uh, whenever he goes to the NFL, maybe a special teams guy, but um, I, I, he stood out to me in this game. So quickness, uh, good routes, and uh, good hands. That's good. Yeah. I'll, if we ever hear his name again, you get big props. That's all I got to say. There you go. Uh, best defensive player you watched this week? Yeah. So it was a little bit tough, but I'm going to go with uh, Jalen Ford, linebacker from Texas uh, against Texas Tech this week. Had eight tackles in the game. It was kind of everywhere. They dropped him back into coverage, had a pass breakup. Uh, they blitzed him. He hurried the quarterback. You know, he's not like this super athlete like Jeremiah Trotter Jr. or or anything like that. But the instincts and the ability to kind of be a jack of all trades, um, you know, reminds me a lot of like Tommy Eichenberg from Ohio State, just a really solid player who maybe could start or rotate in the NFL and be really productive. So Jalen Ford impressed me, moved up my board. He has a senior role invite, has not accepted yet. So, so we'll see. That'd be fun. We'll see. Uh, best defense player I watched this week was Alabama linebacker Deontay Lawson. Uh, local kid here from Mobile. Uh, been a tackling machine this year when he's been healthy. He's missed some time. Uh, but he's one of the leading, if, if not the leading tackler on Alabama's team. I don't think he's going to enter this class. Uh, but he's got good size, 6'3", 225. He moves well. He can cover. Um, if he does, for some reason, enter this draft, I think he can work his way into a top five linebacker uh, in this group. But 
I said, I don't expect him to enter, but he is draft eligible. So that's why I included him on this. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, he, when he's healthy, when he's a hundred percent, he's good. I think that's going to be the big question for him. So I, I like that pick. Yeah, He was a, he was more of a pass rusher in high school. Uh, initial, uh, like a, de- a defensive end uh, here. Matter of fact, played his high school ball, probably uh, half a mile from my house, right around there the corner. There you go. Nice. Uh, all right, so that's going to do it for our look back. But now, Shane, we did this a couple weeks ago. So we're entering the last week. So I figure we quickly get some our final projections here for the college football playoff. Who's in, who's out after this week? Ooh, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's still crazy. It's so crazy there, man. It still could go a lot of different ways. So uh, you you want to go first? You want to? I'll go first. Um, yeah. pop, pop I, I the more I think about it, like I think Alabama's going to cover the line this way. I think it's going to be a close game, but I think Georgia wins late. So I think Georgia gets in. Uh, I think Oregon's going to. I I think Oregon's covering against Washington this week. I think they wow. win big. They're a big I favorites think, for eight, eight and a half. Yeah, eight and a half so, nine, Yeah. Yeah, so I, I and I think they cover that. I think they're going to win. Um, so I'm going to say Georgia ends up one, Michigan two because they're going to they're going to win this. They're not losing to Iowa. Um, and then I think Oregon gets in, and I I'm going to say Texas gets that final spot. Oregon three this is the three. Texas is the four because I think Florida State loses um, to Louisville. Yeah. Um, and then I guess that would put Ohio State and, I don't know, Washington or or Al, or Washington, yeah, probably Washington. Five and six. Five and six. The only kind of one-loss teams. Yeah, I, I – um, I'm trying to think even, like, order. It could be interesting here. Um, so all right, all right, I'm I'm gonna go off the rails with it, Let, you know, like you did last time. I like it. Rails with it. I'm gonna go Michigan one. Okay. I, yeah, I, like they're gonna crush Iowa by like 20 points. I think Iowa's gonna cover just because I do too. You score 20 points, you beat Iowa. So right. Um, I think Michigan one. Uh, I think we see Oregon at two. I, I'm with you. I think they crush. Um. So, so this means what I think it means. I think, I think they crush Washington and go to two. Um, and then I think we see Texas at three and Alabama at four. And I think so. Georgia gets left out. Georgia gets like if Georgia loses, they're out. Like, I don't see how Georgia gets in if they lose this game. I don't think there's a chance. I mean, no, I I don't think there's a chance because I do think Ohio State would probably go over them. Because Michigan would be the number one team, and that's who Ohio State lost to on the road by less than. But who is who is? I guess it would be who Ohio State's wins are. Who have they beat? Notre Dame, Penn State. So these are all, I guess, top fifteen win. Okay. I mean, top ten win against Penn State. Top twenty win against not to be top probably top fifteen win against Notre Dame. I'm trying to think of who Georgia's Missouri, 
Oh, Mississippi? Did they, they beat those teams? Yeah, they beat Missouri. I don't know that they played played Mississippi. So they beat yeah. Missouri. That that's about it. Is that's that it? That's about it. Yeah. Okay. There you go. All right. LSU maybe. Look at them. So I, I don't know. I don't know. But I like I think that's I think that's probably where it comes down to. But you know, uh, yeah, I think Michigan, Oregon, I think Big Ten winner, Pac twelve winner, Texas wins, uh, and Florida State loses, then Texas is in. And I think you gotta, you know, Alabama obviously would be in if they win. If, if, if the four teams that are undefeated all win, they're all in, right? Yeah, I mean you have to. I and you know, there's a good article on Yahoo about the playoff today that like the committee really just wants the path of least resistance, right? To get the least blowback. So like it's easy to say they're undefeated, they won a power five conference championship, they're in. Like Florida State doesn't matter. They won every game they're in. So, yeah, I think if those four teams win, they're in. I think it gets tricky if, you know, Florida State loses and, um, you know, and Georgia loses, but, like, you know, Texas will. Like, like things can get tricky if you need only one spot for Texas and Alabama, right? right? I don't know how – I. I think Alabama would jump Texas in that case. They're not gonna. They're not gonna not have an SEC team in, in the playoff. I agree, but it's so like. Then you're just basically saying what happened on the field doesn't matter, and right. I don't like that. <laughs> it, you know, the nice thing they have is this is the last year for this. Like, it doesn't matter yeah. to them. There's no precedent. It's over. Then we'll just be arguing who should be twelve and thirteen. Then right. Yeah, right, and like, like that's okay. You lost three games, like you know. Yeah, uh, come on. Maybe maybe just lose two next time. Yeah, yeah. That's going to take a lot for college football fans to get used to. They're basically used to once you lose that second game, it's over, right? And then you're going to have to they com- have to completely retrain their uh, their their thought process. All right, let's uh, let's look ahead to week fourteen here. Championship games this week. Only ten games involving the FBS. This week, we're watching seven of those ten, and the FCS second round is happening. We're watching one of those games. Uh, But we'll start Friday night, uh, 6 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. I'll be watching uh, the Conference USA championship game between New Mexico State at Liberty. Um, Liberty's quarterback here has been really good, right? Caden Salter. Has been super awesome this year. Third-year player, probably not in this draft class, but Jamie Chadwell. They're undefeated, twelve and zero. Um, New Mexico State. They're just tough, man. They're dogs, and they have won a lot of games this year. They shouldn't have, and they're led by their quarterback Diego Pavia, who isn't a whole lot to look at, but he wins games. It's going to be a fun game. Uh, Salter was a Tennessee recruit who transferred down. Uh, so, you know, it has, has good uh, good skill set down the line. And uh, a couple of New Mexico State defenders maybe can make a team. John Huggins, the safety, and Andre Selden, the corner, probably the two best NFL prospects. Great job by Jerry Keel as their head coach this year. Just tremendous. Yeah. I'm not, I never thought I'd say that about Jerry Keel, but here we are. Here we are. Uh 7 p.m. on ABC on Friday night, Shane. I I watched them play earlier in the season, so I wasn't going to take this one. <laughs> you did. Oregon at Oregon against Washington. This game will be in Las Vegas uh, Friday night. 
And there's a lot of guys in this game, man, that, that are going to be playing on Sunday next year. Oregon probably should have won the first game, but some poor coaching decisions down the line. But they're, the two teams have played significantly different since that game. Washington's won a lot of close games. Oregon's been beating everybody's ass. So they're, they're, they're kind of going on different paths here, and I think Oregon's going to win this game. Like I said, I think they're eight-and-a-half-point favorite. It's not going to be my lock of the week, but it is one that I'm going to probably bet on and take Oregon and the points this week. Uh, when I watched Oregon play last week against Oregon State, man, Brandon Dorless just keeps playing great every single week. I think they said he's got something like eight passes deflected this year, something like that. It's, it's like yeah. a wild number. He's a great player. Look, uh, you know, I have a new mock draft coming out Monday. Maybe a, maybe a sneaky first-round pick there, Brandon Dorless, might find his way in. I, I'm excited to watch him against, you know, against this passing game, obviously, to see if he can tip some passes at the line, get some penetration. You know, uh, I'm definitely excited for that matchup against a tougher Washington offensive line. And, you know, does this Washington passing game get back? Does Michael Penix – Yeah, I don't know, he's been hurt. Uh, was the rumor, but like he has not looked good the past three weeks, and he just, I, he just can't afford that for his NFL profile right now. Um, you know, we don't talk a whole lot about Oregon's offensive line, but how many times has Bo Nix been sacked this year? Like twice or something? I mean, he's got the lowest pressure of any quarterback in the country. Who are the other than I know we've talked about AJ Cornelius to transfer from Rhode Island, but are any of these other guys uh draftable offensive linemen? Yeah, uh, their center, I really like Jackson Powers Johnson. I think I've maybe I mentioned before. Like I, I like him. He's you know he's a bigger dude. I don't know if he declares for this draft, but he he's a, a big you know dancing bear type of mover on the interior. Um, you know maybe maybe you could see Stephen Jones on on that right side, the offensive tackle, make a camp. Like uh, some of them are you know either athletic or strong, but not both. But it works for this system where Bonix is getting the ball off fast. Yeah. Anxious to see how that works against the Washington pass rush, which we know is pretty good. Uh, hell, I'm anxious to see how the Allegiant Stadium uh, grounds crew uh, does. They've got the Pac 12 title game Friday night, and then they've got less than, what, 12 hours? They got to turn that field around and get it ready for the Mountain West Conference championship game. Because UNLV is hosting Boise State at 2 o'clock on Fox. I'll be watching that game. Uh, I haven't watched Boise State this year. So anxious to see some of the their guys. They're not many. Um, and I watched UNLV a few weeks ago. Ricky White, I think, has a chance to be an NFL player at wide receiver. Yeah, we've talked about him. I agree with you. I think Boise, George Halani, their running back's kind of been the backup this year, but you know he's he's tough enough and had production in his career maybe to make a team. Uh, Stephon Cobbs, their receiver, had some hype last year, kind of fell off, um, but but good on Boise to be here. Yeah, uh, their interim coach hasn't lost a game yeah, since. Hey. So, there you go. Uh, Three p.m. on ABC. I'll be watching the American Athletic Conference championship game. Uh, this game will be at Tulane, uh, between Tulane and SMU. Uh, lost a little luster uh, this week when it was announced that SMU quarterback uh, Preston Stone broke his leg. Uh, so, obviously, not playing in this game. 
which to me severely hampers uh, SMU's chances, in my opinion, to win this football game. And I hate that because I've won some money from SMU this year. I hate, hate to see that. But uh, Tulane, of course, the star here is Michael Pratt, uh, their quarterback, uh, the first player to accept an invite to the Senior Bowl this year. Um, chance to be a mid-round uh, quarterback prospect. You, you once you once he declared for the Senior Bowl, you you were turned on by his film, right? You were impressed uh, with, with his play. Um, and they've got a few other guys, I think, to watch out for as well. So uh, who are you looking for in this game? Yeah, I mean, I definitely want to see what, what Pratt does. Um, uh, Jaquan Jackson, their receiver, kind of a special teams, smaller guy, maybe is someone who has a chance. So, you know, looking forward to that. I'll, I'll tell you one two-lane player doesn't get a lot of publicity who I like is Tyler Grubbs, their linebacker, Louisiana Tech transfer, who I really like Louisiana Tech just had 120 tackles a year and is kind of doing the same thing. He's beefed up. Um, so I think that'll be interesting against an SMU run game, former Alabama running back, Kamar Wheaton having a good year for SMU as well. We mentioned there's going to be a lot of players drafted from the Pac-12 title game Friday night. Probably not as many as going to be drafted from the SEC championship <laughs> game. That's at three o'clock on CBS. Shane, you'll be watching Alabama and Georgia from Atlanta. It's just big matchup, right? But I, I want I want you to talk about one player because I don't think we've mentioned him when we've talked about quarterbacks at all. What do you think about Carson Beck as an NFL player? I, I think he's been solid. You know, I don't think Carson Beck's a first round quarterback, but he's kind of that day two quarterback. He has the the, the zip and the arm strength and the short and intermediate passing game. He's shown the flair for throwing CD passes accurately. Like, I don't think it's there yet. I, I hope he comes back, but I think it could be in a, in a week 2025 class. I think he could be the number one quarterback in that class um, when all said and done. So uh, I've, I've been impressed because it's not like the receiving weapons at Georgia. You know, they didn't have Vlad McConkey for most of the year. Is all that great. And Carson Beck still played pretty well, obviously outside of Brock Bowers. But Carson Beck, you know, has played pretty well, even when he didn't have either of those weapons. Highest drafted player from this game. Uh, it's got to be Dallas Turner, right? I, like, I still feel like Dallas Turner, the edge rusher from from Alabama, is probably the highest drafted. Um, unless I'm missing someone, I, I don't think I am, but I I feel like he's he's going to be the guy. Uh, Seven p.m. on ABC. Uh, I'll be watching the ACC championship game between Florida State and Louisville. And um, like I said, this game lost a lot two weeks ago when Jordan Travis. Um, Got not you know not really bad <laughs> in that game, and uh, he will not be playing. So, uh, Rochenbacher, whatever his name is, uh, Rochambeau, the quarterback for Florida State, um, he's got his work cut out for him. I guess Louisville's got a good pass rush, but Ashton Galat. Uh, one thing that can save Florida State in this game is their defense. And I don't know if you saw the Florida game last week or the highlight that I saw of Jared Verse basically bull rushing the left tackle into the quarterback and knocked the quarterback down with the left tackle. Against Jared Verse, like I feel like he he does a lot of those type of things and hasn't gotten the stats for you know some of those pressures. But uh, yeah, I mean that's going to be the difference. Can they get to Jack Plummer, who's 
you know, big. He's not, he's not much of a, a mover. And if they can, then I think Florida State can win this game pretty handedly. But if not, Louisville has an offense that can, you know, that can put up some points. Which Louisville running back do you like better, Jawar Jordan or Isaac Garinda? I, I think Jawar Jordan is is uh, phenomenal. Like, I, I think definitely draftable. He's just he's electric. That first step is is so good. The turn and run, yeah. I mean, I think Jawar Jordan's going to be a riser through the process if he declares. I think I think Garendo is going to end up as uh, an undrafted free agent running back that makes an impact next year. If he's in this, if he's in this draft class, yeah. I think I think he does similar to how Keaton Mitchell's had an impact with the Ravens, which Keaton Mitchell shouldn't have been undrafted. What's skull records say that should have never happened? But, uh, you know, I think Garendo can have that type of impact. He's got some serious speed. Uh, Seven p.m. Saturday night on Fox. Shane, you'll be watching. This is in Indianapolis, right? The yeah. Big Ten Championship game between Iowa and Michigan, obviously. You still you wanted to get another game to watch Tory Taylor punt the football, right? Look, we we we, we got to get more Tory Taylor punting the football for Iowa uh, in this one, and I mean Michigan should should dominate this game. I don't know how Iowa scores any points. That that's I was going to say that. Did you see the line that you could that the first half and the second half total for Iowa is a half, a half a point in each half. That is that is a line you can bet right now. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, I, I guess if you want to bet zero for that first half, it's not a bad, not a bad way to go. Ultimately, I mean, I was just lost a lot of players too on the offensive side of the ball. It's, you know, we rag on them, but they've had a ton of injuries: tight ends, quarterbacks, offensive linemen. Like, it's been rough. And the fact, I mean, I don't know if they'll ever make a Big Ten championship game again. So that you better relish this when the divisions go away next year. Um, before we stop on this game, I did want to mention that uh, one player that you will not be watching this game is Michigan offensive lineman uh, Zach Center uh, broke two bones in his leg against uh, Ohio State last week. Um, so not a great situation for his uh, pro prospects there. Yeah, it was rough because he probably wouldn't have been drafted last year and this Maybe he won't now. I mean, he may go back, too. He could go back as well. He's a four-year player, so you know he's got some sort of eligibility left. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, that's definitely a possibility, too. And finally, 9 p.m. on ESPN2. Not ESPN Plus, Shane. Just just make a note. This game got promoted. Nice. Uh, Southern Illinois at Idaho. FCS second-round playoff game. And I feel like this is you wanting to watch Southern Illinois corner P.J. Jules, but it's a good matchup, right? Because we've got two Idaho wide receivers on our watch list here, uh, Hayden Hatton, a 6'2", uh, receiver, and Therese Trainer, a 6'3", receiver. So good matchup to watch P.J. Jules. Yeah, it'll be a good matchup. Jules kind of a hybrid corner safety. might play their one in the NFL. And uh, Therese Trainer actually, for Idaho, I think could – you know, make a camp has, you know, he has size and has decent speed. So I'm hoping that we'll get, I'll get to see that matchup a little bit in this one. All right, there we go. That's our week 14 preview here. And that's going to be the last one of those uh, for the year. So it's been fun, right? Been fun looking ahead. But Shane, this is the last week. 
you can get over 500 for the year. And this is not something I saw possible yes. a month ago. But you got up. The believers, the believers who have been backing me the whole time, they knew. They knew. Shane is up to 7-7. Seven and seven. I am trying to get to 67% Ooh. on the year. A win this week will get me to 10-5. and five. Two-thirds wins this year. That's awesome, right? You can't, can't beat that. So, with that said, I go to my lock this week, and I kind of spoke on it earlier. SMU's been good to me. They've been kind. But I don't know what that offense is going to look like without Preston Stone running it. I know what Tulane's looking like. Tulane knows if they win this game, they're going to, I think, the Peach Bowl uh, with a win. So, with that being said, I'm going to take the Green Wave here and Michael Pratt minus three and a half at home against SMU. Okay, I think it's good to back Pratt here. We'll see if that run game for SMU maybe can give them some some issues. But I like that. Uh, I, look, we both predicted it. So if I can get three and a half points, give me Louisville plus three and a half against Florida State. I think we both think that they win outright. Uh, the, the question is if that Florida State defensive line can dominate the line of scrimmage. Jawar Jordan gets nothing, then Louisville probably gets crushed. I, I, I even think Louisville like wins. Or loses by double digits, so uh, I'm kind of betting on the win. I'll take, you know, I'll take the three and a half juice here, and assume that uh, Jamari Thrash, you know, senior bowl receiver, is gonna gonna go for 120 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, just gonna be interesting to see uh, the pass rushes in this game, and if it affects either one. We mentioned verse, we mentioned Galat. It's gonna be interesting. Uh, so to recap here, I'm going with Tulane minus three and a half against SMU. In the AAC Championship, Shane is going Louisville plus three and a half against Florida State in the ACC Championship, and those are the locks of the week. And now that brings us to our final of the year here, Shane, wrapping up our 2024 positional previews here with the defensive backs. And these are the top five defensive backs that we think will declare for the NFL draft. And spoiler alert, uh, probably not going to be any safeties talked about. It's a good safety class, just not elite safety class. Yeah. It's good, not great. Yeah, it has depth. It'll be some good top 100 guys, but no one is going to beat out the top corners here. All right. So, Shane, I think that he's going to be the top corner right now. I don't know that he ends up there by the end of it, but – He's been the number one corner since the start, and he has the special teams value, although Alabama hasn't used him there recently for some reason. And but, it's, been, it's been rough out there for him uh, this um, year. So. Yeah, so uh, I'm going with Kool-Aid McKinstry as uh, corner one here in this class. Six foot, 180, uh, great speed. Um you know, there's some questions about whether he's even the best corner on his team. I think we both agree that he is, but he's still really good and a potential top 10 pick. I mean, he's he's locking guys down. I think that's yeah. the thing is it's easy to say, oh, is he that good when you're watching film and, and they're passing at the other guy who we'll talk about later in this segment. Um, you know, but oftentimes the guy's not getting thrown to is because – He's not leaving a receiver open. Uh, to me, I, it's a to me, it's a better talent situation 
than like what South Carolina had last year when we talked about it. Cam Smith. Nobody threw at Cam Smith. They threw at Darius Rush. So Darius Rush's stock elevated because of that play because he was able to do it. But the, like I said, the talent between these two much higher than Cam Smith and Darius Rush, obviously. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason Coley McKinstry as a five-star recruit started almost immediately at Alabama. Um, the punt returning has been rough this year. He he doesn't – if he could teach him how to, how to catch punts, then I think he could be good at it. But it, he's had some fumbles that have hurt them. Um, so I don't know if that's going to help his profile. But I do think a, a top-10 pick – Wait for the combine. He'll run a four three. My guess is if he's a top ten pick, they're not going to have him returning punts. Right, right. You, you know, why do that? All right. So, who's your number one corner? Yeah, I mean, Cole McIntyre is my number one too. So, I think I, I think it's a pretty clear number one for me at this point. All right, number two on my list is a player that's been injured the last three weeks. Um, and that's Cooper DeGene from Iowa. I, I, I think he's got that hybrid ability, be a corner, is he a safety? Uh, he's now where Kool-Aid is, can't field a punt. Cooper DeGene can, and is very good at it. One of the best return men in the country. Um, how's his testing going to be? We'll see. I think his agility is going to be great. Is the top end speed there? That might be what pushes him down a little bit. But for me, the the position versatility, I think, depending on what kind of defense wants him, he can be a nickel, he can play outside, he can play a safety. Like I said, it's just that kind of versatility. And that could be ultimately what pushes him down the board is because nobody knows exactly what it is, right? Uh, tweener, the tweener word used to be used for, for some of those guys, not really used anymore. But Gene could fit that where – and that, to me, is kind of what happened with Derwin James uh, when he came out and why he kind of got pushed down to the late teens because is he a corner, is he a safety, whatever. Yeah, uh, he's my number two as well. If he's healthy, Brian, let me answer your question. The straight line speed. He is ran it? a 10-6, 600 meter on the Iowa track team. Uh, is that, is that be, fast? That is – <laughs> that is really fast. Yeah, I mean, he, he might be the fastest player at the combine if he's 100%. Um, he's going to compete for that at, at 195 pounds, probably slim down a little bit. I mean, that athleticism combined with – he's a pretty physical, long corner, you know, a DB. Like, he has the arm length. He has the size and was pretty shut down. I mean, that's why we moved him to corner. Like, why would you waste right. that as safety? But – so, you know, someone might, certain schemes might. Uh, so he's my number two as well. I, I said, I think his shuttles are going to be ridiculous as well. Yeah, very good. He's he's going to be, um, uh, that, that Raz is going to be pushing. He's going to be pushing. It's going to be very, very dark green. Yeah. <laughs> dark green. 995 Raz, looking at that probably so. Um, number three for me is the other Alabama corner, Terry and Arnold. And his ball skills are just off the charts this year. You've seen just how him break on the football, making plays. Like I said, he's been tested a lot. So the you're going to see a lot of tape this year that's going to show you how good Terry and Arnold is. And I think he's going to end up in that 20 range in the first round. Maybe with good testing, he gets pushed up a little bit as well, depending on team needs. But I, I, I've ended up with Terry and Arnold as my number three corner. 
He's my number four, and I'm with you. I mean, Alabama doesn't win the Iron Bowl without Terry and Arnold like ma- making the the plays that he made on the ball um he's he's someone who's not afraid to to get get dirty and and tackle in the backfield come up and hit a running back like the physicality and the ball skill combo I mean I really like it um my number three is Quinion Mitchell the corner from Toledo who we've talked about I I every time I watch him it's just you know, he's take, taken a half of the field away. Um, yeah, it's the Mac, but the fact that he can be this elite consistently game in, game out, like I said, I almost kind of cover a whole side of the field. Teams are just looking away from him. Um, and, you know, when he does make a mistake, when a guy does make a catch, Quinion Mitchell for Toledo, he's, he's there. He's making the tackle, firm wrap-up tackler. Um, just just a great backpedal, great uh, fundamentals, you know. Uh, so I, I just like everything about it. Uh, you know, he's the, uh, my top five, the only fourth-year player uh, in my top five quarters. He's uh, number six on my board, and it's just he's just, uh, just off. Um, so – his ball skills, like we talked about Arnold's ball, his ball, he may have the best ones in this class, to be honest. I mean, he's he's that good. Um, level of competition is the only thing that I think brings him down just a smidge from the other guys uh, for me. Now, I mean, it's fair, but I think the, the size, the athleticism, right. it's, all, it's all there, so you have to be able to project that he can do it. Yeah, it's probably going to end up like I said. It's going to end up moot probably when when it's all said and done. But that that's where I'm at right now. Uh, number four for me. You said number four for you is Terry Arnold. Number four for me is Georgia corner Kamari Lassiter, and he's another guy. The SEC pedigree, week in, week out, ball skills, length, size, six foot, one eighty five, going to run fast. You know, has he's has just stepped right in this year and missed not missed a beat for Georgia uh, as a corner. And I think he ends up, like I said, uh, late teens, early 20s. Yeah, you know, he he's disappointed me a little bit this year. Like, I, I expected him to be in a league corner. I expected Kamari Lester maybe to be in the Kool-Aid McKinstry kind of talk. Um, you know, hasn't had an interception. Like, it seems to play back a little bit. And, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll make the tackle. But you know that that's kind of been the focus, and, and there's been games um, where he's played well, been a good cover corner. He's made made some key stops against Missouri that ended up winning Georgia the game. Like I see it, he's 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 my number seven uh, overall corner, uh, probably number six of who I think will declare. I, I I just wish I wish the year was better. I wish he was more dominant than he has been. Um, number five for me is a player who officially declared for the draft today and a player I saw last week and very aggressive. I'll give him that is uh Clemson cornerback, Nate Wiggins, six to one seventy, very physical player. Uh, maybe a bit too physical at times, but, uh, he's definitely got great length and just, he, he sees things quickly processes very fast on the field. I, I like Nate Wiggins as a corner, not as a, uh, you know, where he played football. 
<laughs> yeah, Nate, Nate Wiggins. So Denzel Burke from Ohio State is my number five. I don't think he's going to declare for the draft. So Nate Wiggins fills in my number five spot. I'm with you. I think there. I think it's there. But like, you, you gotta figure out how to use it. it. Reminds me a bit. Doesn't have the numbers, but it reminds me a bit of Manuel Forbes from last year. Now Wiggins, I think, is beefed up more than Forbes ever could. But like tries to be physical and Nate Wiggins just doesn't have that strength. And when he goes up, up against a, a strong receiver, um, he struggles. I think to, they get off the line pretty easily. He can't really jam a receiver, but, um, but he'll hit you. Yeah, like if you're not ready for it, uh, he has the, the natural kind of lateral agility to get into position. I, I think Nate Wiggins, I, I think he's going to be a first round pick. I feel like the NFL is probably going to like him maybe more than we do. Um, ultimately, but uh, that happens with corners sometimes, yeah. All right, so quickly to recap here, uh, my top five corners, uh, Kool Aid McKinstry, Alabama one. I say corners, we, we, we this was DBs, but uh, <laughs> these are all corners, obviously. Uh, your top safety was Tyler Newbin, right, from Minnesota. Mine was Cameron Kinchins from Miami, just to four transparency's sake. Uh, but Kool-Aid McKinstry, Alabama, one for me, two, Cooper DeGene from Iowa, three, Terry and Arnold from Alabama, four, Kamari Lasseter from Georgia, and five, Nate Wiggins from Clemson. Shane, uh, number one, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Alabama, two, Cooper DeGene, Iowa, three, Quinion Mitchell from Toledo, uh, four, Terry and Arnold, Alabama, and five, Nate Wiggins um, from Clemson. So only one difference here on our boards. Not bad, not bad. And that wraps up our position group videos. Hope you've enjoyed these up on the YouTube channel. Brad's been cutting those up and uh, putting them up every week. Good stuff there. All right. The Senior Bowl's been busy. Uh, not only have they announced uh, several acceptances, they sent out a press release today saying the free concert this year, Counting Crows. Oh, look at that. I'm a fan of Counting Crows, and I might actually go watch this concert. It's going to be after the game on Saturday night, uh, downtown you, you, you Mobile. You skip Nelly, but you're going to Counting Crows. One I like and one I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is what it is, man. I like Counting Crows. But uh, so here we go. The Senior Bowl, uh, like I said, several this week. We'll, we'll go through these quickly. Uh Auburn corner. This was this actually happened while we were on there last week. Uh, Nehemiah Pritchett, uh, their corner is in joining yeah, I mean, DJ James. Yeah. They, they invited him last year, so you, you might as well. Right. Uh, Clemson pair of interior defensive linemen coming on board this week. Uh, we've talked a lot about Rook or Horhoro and Tyler Davis, uh, who Rook also was invited last year and accepted. So his second-year invite, and Tyler Davis, uh, another big interior defensive line prospect from Clemson. Yeah, Tyler Davis is one of those plug-in, you never notice him, but he does his job well types. Right. Um, Dwayne Carter uh, from Duke joined last week. Uh, joining him will be their edge rusher, R.J. Oben. I, I was a little surprised by that. When I went back and watched R.J. Oben this, uh, this, after that, came out i mean he, he's a big dude like he's strong at the point of attack so not someone that jumped out for me in the first watch going back he's, you know i can see it a pair of houston cougars 
accepted invites. One we expected, uh, Patrick Paul, their offensive tackle, potential, potential uh, late first round pick could have it with a good week in Mobile. Could could get that Senior Bowl bump into the first round. But their edge rusher Nelson Caesar joining him down here. Yeah, he, he's been he's been kind of a, um, a PFF darling, another big, long, a uh, lot of penetration this year. So, yeah, Nelson Caesar, I think a better player than a lot of the public gave credit for. Um, Louisville corner Quincy Riley going to be in Mobile. Yeah, no, another one that surprised me a little bit, but he's been pretty rock solid for that defense. So I'm interested to see how he does. Uh, how he does in this one, because that that was a surprising invite to me. Uh, Spencer Rattler accepted last week. Joining him, as of today, will be his receiving target, Xavier Leggett. I'm pumped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like Xavier Leggett's going to be the difference between us. Like, he's going to go high in the draft. I have no qualms about that. I don't think he's going to be very good in the NFL. But a senior bowl is going to be a good opportunity those one-on-ones. What's going to help Leggett's longevity in the NFL is special teams. He's their punt gunner. He's on kickoff coverage. He can return kicks. That's what's going to keep him around if the receiving doesn't. Him and and Vellis Jones will be gunning for the next uh, 10 years together. Hey. (laughs) As long as the check clears at the end of the week. That's fair. Uh, Southern Cal wide receiver and son of the greatest receiver of all time, Jerry Rice. Brendan Rice accepts his invite this week. Most productive receiver for for, for Southern Cal makes makes a lot of sense that they bring him in. I, I think I think I'm on the list just being Jerry Rice's son. You knew he was going to get get a little invite there. Right. Uh, a pair of Longhorns uh, accepted this week. One was offensive tackle Christian Jones. Yeah, you know, I I really really liked him early. Uh, I think his film last year is better than this year. Had some struggles in, in some of the bigger games, but like a rock solid right tackle um, who you know is is a big mover. Just doesn't quite have those swinging hips. So I'm interested to see. I feel like the Senior Bowl pit might be a nice spot for him where he can you know just get that strength in there and maybe impress. I mean, a guy he could maybe see across from him in the pit is his teammate. And I believe the first third-year player to accept an invite under the new rules, and that's Byron Murphy, the Texas defensive lineman. Yeah, been been impressive rushing the passer uh, for that three-tech spot. So I'm, that, that's a great get. I, you're you're going to have yeah. fun watching him. Yeah, I, I was I was super impressed with him when I watched him uh, a couple weeks ago. He, he, he's legit. Um, long snapper, Shane. You had five long snappers as potential long snappers in this game, and you missed the one that got an invite. Uh, Peter Bogan from Wisconsin. Like I, I, next year, you got to do the long snappers. I'm just not going to do it. We won't have long snapper guesses on the list. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, no, I I had, did not have any indication that, that Peter Peter Ben was the was one of the top two. Long. I still hope Michael Vincent gets in. I hope. I well, last year was the guy from VMI, right? So <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, who knows? Yeah. All right, and finally, the last player we're going to talk about this week potentially the best player if 
he ends up actually playing down here that we could be the best player in the game, and that's UCLA edge rusher Latu Latu. I've been on this guy all year long. He's been my guy. He's my number one edge rusher in this class. I love Latu, man. He's so productive. He's so good. He's a true all-around just great player. Yeah, that size, the speed, instincts. He's my number seven on my big board I released today. So. Yeah, he's, uh, I, it's I, the injury I, I, history I, with him, right? Right, just I know way he practices, right? No. Like, I mean, he'll he'll be there. He'll. I hope so. I, I mean, I hope so. I really, I really hope he at least shows out for at least one day, right? Nah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'll show up, shake some hands, and you know, go home. But I hope, go, yeah, I hope we get go go, go out on the day where they're not in full pads, right? And just yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that. I like that. Yeah, but uh, you know, I mean, I hope he plays all week, but it's not. It's probably not gonna happen. Not gonna all happen. right. All right, so we've got uh, – now that the season's over, we've got underclassmen declaring. We had five pop off this week, and we're going to talk about them quickly. Uh, we've already kind of mentioned uh, my top safety from Miami, Cameron Kitchens, uh, declared. We've already talked about uh, Clemson corner Nate Wiggins. He's declared for the draft. So we'll, we won't talk about those two, but talk about uh, Miami's other safety, James Williams, 6'5", 218, listed at, but he, he enters the draft. Yeah, one of the best safeties in high school I've ever seen. I mean, one of the best defensive backs. He, he's huge. He can hit. He's athletic. Just never mentally has put it together. So I think an intriguing day three upside pick who at least on special teams, man, get him just to run down there and hit some guys. I, I think there's something there. I, I think he's going to be an intriguing evaluation. Um, an all-around talent. At linebacker, rushing the passer, covering, tackling, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Uh, from Clemson declared for the draft. Yeah, it's really picked it up the second half of the season. I think put him back himself back into the the linebacker one conversation. Um, you know, probably a, a solid day two pick with a lot of upside. Yep. And finally, uh, Braylon Allen, running back from Wisconsin, uh, only nineteen years old, entering the draft here. Yeah, he'll be. 20 when he's drafted, but you know, he was, he was running over uh, 23 year old defenders when he was 17 playing as a freshman. Um, Braylon Allen's like big 245 can run a four, four doesn't have that lateral agility. Um, but like he could be a workhorse running back in, in a gap scheme. So he's definitely in competition for that number one running back in the class. There you go. It's not going to be a flashy running back class this year. There's no Bijan Robinson this year, is it? No, 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 no first round pick there. But all right, um, no questions on Twitter or Discord or in the chat. So we will move right on. Final thought, Shane. Uh, your big boards say 2024, 2025, and 2026, and you got a seven round 2024 mock coming up on Monday. Yeah, and you know, like, look, Denny at Mock Draft Database asked me for new big boards on 25 26, so I had to oblige. Uh, but look, my final thought uh, we need to make a bet here, Brian. We were you and I were arguing on Twitter about Spencer Rattler, so I don't know what we can bet, we can figure that out later. But, um, what, what, what's your over under for pick Spencer Rattler will get drafted? What 100? What's I, I, I will I will bet that I will take that bet that Spencer Rattler is a top one hundred draft pick. All right. Yeah, before I'll, the I'll, by the end of the process. 
I'll, I'll, I'll take that bet. I got, I like him. I like the, the town. I think a senior bowl is going to help him. I just, I don't see, I don't see the, the Kellen Mond, as you mentioned on Twitter, the, the day two. Quite I, I, for him. I'm, I'm just saying that if Kellen Mond can get that kind of bump off the senior bowl, which is, that's what got him into the third round. Right, but why we can list ten quarterbacks that should Michael right. Pratt could get that. <laughs> right, but like I said, there there's going there there are certain things that you're going to see from quarterbacks at the Senior Bowl, and Rattler's going to be able to do all of those in those practices where where he's not going to have guys beating him down in the face like he's had all year at South Carolina, and it's it's going to be interesting. Like I said, that win cuts different. In uh, late January, early February, Mobile, and we've seen quarterbacks, Will <coughs> Will Greer cough <coughs> that uh, just couldn't handle it. And uh, Rattler's going to be able to, and I, I just think teams are going to like that. And they're going to see through like he's a, he he's just I, I think he's going to up in the late third. Yeah, look, I feel like I'm hating on South Carolina this year. I feel like that's and, and you should to be honest. Just, uh, yeah, but, I've been hating on I, South Carolina every week on the Garnet Roost <laughs> podcast. So it is what it is. It's been like ther- it's been like it's been like therapy for me to be honest. That's that's kind of what that podcast has turned into. It's like Nina Nino's my psychiatrist. I've listened to a couple episodes. It's fun. If, if you haven't listened, uh, you guys should look look it up uh, for sure. Uh, it, we, we, we ain't gonna we ain't uh, wearing the garnet colored glasses on that show for sure. We're giving you the straight just what it is. But that's that's neither here nor there. That's our final thoughts this week. Um, as always, you know if you, if you're new to the channel, hit the subscribe button, like the videos, share them out. If you're listening to this on an audio platform, be it Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave us a five star review. Give us uh, share that out wherever you may listen to your podcast. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at Deep Fried Draft. Shane at Shane P. Hallam. Follow Draft Countdown at Draft Countdown. And go to DraftCountdown.com for all of your NFL draft needs. For Shane, I'm Brian. Good night, everybody. <laughs>